Welcome to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. Let's bridge the gap between your faith and your finances. At Ronald Blue Trust, we apply biblical wisdom and technical expertise to help you make wise financial decisions. Our goal is to help you leave a lasting legacy. In this podcast, you will hear inspiring stories, practical tips, and encouragement from the Ronald Blue Trust family with special guests along the way. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. The information in these podcasts is provided for general educational purposes only. It is not intended as specific individual advice. The client's experience may not be representative of the experience of other clients, and they are also not indicative of future performance or success. Opinions expressed may not be those of Ronald Blue Trust. In today's podcast, we interview Ron Blue, the founder of Ronald Blue Trust. He's also the founder of the National Christian Foundation, Kingdom Advisors, and the Ron Blue Institute, and the author of 17 books on personal finance from a biblical perspective, including the bestseller, Master Your Money. In this episode, he discusses his journey with the company and inspirational advice on stewarding money. Actually, what motivated me to start the firm was uh, really several factors. Uh, one was that I had traveled to Africa frequently over a two-year time frame, and I saw kind of the need in the third world, and I had, as a practicing accountant before I entered ministry, I had seen the affluence in this culture. And it dawned on me that uh, we had enough resources in the United States that we should be funding what's going on in the third world because they were so effective. That was one motive. Uh, A second uh, motive was that I really wanted to get back into the financial world using the kind of the education and experiences that I had. And the third factor was that I was, uh, while I was in ministry, I was traveling about 70% of the time. And we had five children below the age of 12 and living in a strange city with no support system. So... Those were factors. Another factor was that Dr. Howard Hendricks was a friend and a mentor, and he had been asking me for some financial advice relative to his own situation. So all those things kind of came into play, and I had decided that I wasn't going to travel like I was traveling with five young children. I needed to do something different. And, and wanted to use the financial uh, experience that I had. So Dr. Hendricks had asked me to do a uh, uh, kind of an analysis of his situation. And when I did, I saw that he was doing just fine, but he didn't know that he was doing just fine. So I was able to say, Howie, you're doing just fine. <laughs> uh, and coincidentally, I have over the years now realized that everybody wants to know the answer to the question, how am I doing? Uh, everybody. Uh, and that takes an outside person to take a look at their financial situation who has some financial uh, background also. So all those things came into play. And when Judy and I sat down, uh, we went through a decision-making uh, process with the napkins, which are now on the wall here, and uh, came to the conclusion that going back to Indianapolis was the best choice. 
given our criteria, but we went through a risk analysis and said if we do, we're apt to lose our children to the materialistic lifestyle that we had come out of when I left uh, that accounting firm. So uh, we said that's too big a risk to take. And so we said, well, what should I do? And uh, basically it was to create the right alternative. Rather than pick a job, it was to design uh, a lifestyle and, uh, and uh, have my own ministry. So uh, made the decision. Uh, Larry Burkett was a friend of mine, and he said, are you going to be a business or a ministry? Which was a great question to have to answer because I, I realized it didn't make any difference. Uh, either we were a ministry that operated like a business or we were uh, uh, a business that had a ministry purpose. And I loved the test of the marketplace, and I felt like in terms of working with individuals regarding their wealth management, they could afford to pay. And consequently, if I was not delivering value, they weren't going to keep paying. So I had a built-in test of whether this was uh, adding value to people's lives. And then when I saw that it was, and I began to do financial planning, the mission statement that I came up with for the firm, and really for me personally, was to help Christians plan and manage their money so they had more to give away to help fund the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So I knew I was a part of the Great Commission and my small role in that was to help people in their, plan, in their finances so that they had more money to give away. Uh, and um, my purpose in life, and that was in 1979, that's the same thing today as it was then, 40-some uh, years later, uh, 42 years later. That's still my purpose in life, but it's worked itself out through uh, Ronald Blue and Company now Ronald Blue Trust. And then uh, I realized that, uh, to me, it was the proof of concept that you could take biblical wisdom and apply it to the best of professional knowledge and come up with biblical financial thinking and decision-making. And it's interesting because it says in Colossians 2 that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I was in, <laughs> that's what I was doing, was combining wisdom and knowledge, and it worked. Um, and we built a business, and really then the next step when I left was, could it be repeated uh, with other Christians who were not a part of the firm? Uh, because there were thousands, but when I started, there really wasn't a financial planning industry. Uh, that that if that word was used even, uh, it, it meant selling insurance or, in, or stocks and bonds. So CFP didn't exist uh, at that time. So uh, I didn't realize it, but I was kind of creating uh, what became an industry of Christian financial uh, wealth management and has become huge uh, now, and that's the way God works. You plant the seeds, and he causes an abundant harvest. 
And I've had the privilege now after 42 years of kind of looking around and saying, wow, look what God's done. I mean, with RBT alone, what he's done, but with Kingdom Advisors and with the National Christian Foundation and now the Ron Blue Institute up at Indiana Wesleyan and uh, thousands literally of Christian advisors that are giving biblical advice and uh, uh, investments, uh, biblically responsible investing world has grown up. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the background. It, all of that happened was not by design. Uh, it was by God's grace. And uh, the first client I had gave away a million, I helped him give away a million dollars over five years, 200,000 a year for five years. And it's then he's still a client of the firm 42 years later. <laughs> uh, and um, when I saw that he could do that, I thought there's a lot of people that can give a lot more than what they think they can give. And I've often wondered uh, what if he'd only given a hundred thousand? My bar would have been a hundred thousand, but because it was a million, I had no trouble at all in asking people to give away a million dollars. And Dr. Bright with Crusade asked me to come on staff, and I said, Bill, I can do more good for you off staff than I can on staff. So they put me in front of all their donor events, and all of a sudden I was in all over the country speaking to rich Christians. Okay, and I said, if you want to give away more money, I can help you give away more money. And so what happened by not by design was I had clients all over the country. Uh, And so we had a national financial planning firm without trying to design a national financial planning firm. Uh, And that's when we opened up multiple offices uh, around the country and um, and. Now I think there's over 10,000 clients and I don't know how many offices, but so that's that in summary is uh, the story of my part of this in the story. Uh, but I'll add one other thing uh, to that, and that is that Second Timothy 2 says you teach others to teach others to teach others. So uh, it was very much the idea that if uh, if I was going to fulfill the vision I had to teach others to do what I was doing. And so when I hired Russ Crossan and Eric Daniels, before I really had hardly any clients, uh, it was to teach somebody else to do what I was doing so they could teach others. And now it's down to, I don't know, eight, nine, ten generations. But the consistency has remained the same. Uh, It's no different today than it was uh, 40-some years ago in terms of the processes and the passion uh, that's here. And Russ is still here, and Eric's still here, and uh, a bunch of all, so many of those people that I hired in the early 1980s are still here. Uh, I got a call from one of the office managers some time ago, and he said, how'd you hire such good people? And I said, don't you remember how I hired you? And he said, no, what do you mean? I said, well, you were making $100,000 working with Arthur Anderson, and I offered you sixty if you'd moved to Atlanta. <laughs> and you came. But I, I said, you came because of fulfillment of your mission. And the reality was the firm that has been created is not, it's there as a platform for others to fulfill their mission in life. 
So they come and they stay because they've, uh, they're getting real sense of meaning and purpose uh, in their lives by what they do. That combination of ministry and vocation is really, really powerful. Uh, and I, I just now I, you know, I'm almost 80 years old. And so I have an opportunity to look back. And when I do, I don't feel a sense of personal accomplishment. I feel a sense of awe in what God uh, did. There's, there's no way it could have been done uh, by planning. Uh, it was all by grace. So that's the story as best I can tell it. In this next section, Ron shares with us why it's so important to ask the question, how much is enough? I felt like there were really three questions that need to be answered by people. One was who owns it? And you can't be a steward if you own it. You're an owner. And an owner has rights and a steward has responsibilities. So when I say God owns it all, then I have the responsibility to handle his resources. The second and biggest question was, living in America, uh, it's kind of the American, more is the American dream. You know, I, if I have more, uh, I'll have happiness. If I have more, I'll have joy. If I have more, it'll be more fun to have life and so forth. Um, but I have observed that just the opposite is true that the more I have, uh, the more uh, uh, decisions I have to make because I've got more choices. Therefore, life becomes more complex. So I like to show people where Judy and I started in a little trailer that was 28 feet long and eight feet wide and six feet tall, a little green trailer on campus at Indiana University, and then show them a picture of uh, my Five children, their spouses, 13 grandchildren, two grand, great grand, or grandsons, great grandsons. And so we got about 25 of us in our family. Well, that depicts the complexity of life. So you go, I went from a trailer to a really complex situation personally, and that's not unusual. But money is never the answer uh, to happiness uh, and I what I have seen now is that living in the world's wealthiest culture uh, we have a tremendous amount of unhappiness we have a lot of anger we have a lot of disunity uh, America today is not uh, necessarily a joyful place to live you, when you watch the news it's all conflict and or listen to the news or read the periodicals uh, there's a lot of anger out there and when you ask the question how much is enough uh, what you do is you establish a finish line and if I'm a believer and I answer that question how much is enough the the next question is for what <laughs> okay and the Bible says, be content with what you have. So more is not the key to contentment. Uh, it's a spiritual issue. Contentment is a spiritual issue. And Paul said, I've learned to be content. So when we answer the question, how much is enough, then for what? If I answer the question, how much is enough to live out the rest of my life and educate my kids and... Uh, provide for the health care that I may need and so forth and so on. 
uh, and I go beyond that, I can calculate that mathematically, but I can never feel like I'm financially independent. I can feel contentment, but I cannot feel financial independence. I can see it, and I can uh, intellectually know that it's enough, but it doesn't do what God wants to do, and that is to give me a heart of contentment and joy. Uh, so setting a finish line uh, helps me live purposefully, but it also helps me live towards uh, God's desire for me because he knows now that money is not going to replace him. And that's the real issue. And that's why the clients of Ronald Blue Trust are able to give as much as they do because spiritually they've set some finish lines. Uh, and the reality is that if, I have gone, if I've gone beyond the finish lines, the best thing to do with it is to give it away. Yeah, and then there's you know, one of the experiences I've had that's almost humorous. There's people who are uh, fearful so they, uh, they, they want to know what the markets are going to do. And what I tell them is, well, they're going to go up or they're going to go down. <laughs> if they're going to go up, you should buy. If they're going to go down, you should sell. Well, that's, of course, a facetious answer, but their lives are dictated by fear. And when you've, uh, and so my, my counsel is, are you really afraid that you're going to lose everything? Because if you are, I've got some great advice for you. Give it all away. Send it ahead. There it says in the book, in the good book, Matthew 6, set your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. So if you really are afraid, give it away. Uh, and, and the reality is that makes a point, and that is the only way to break the power of money is to give. It's the only way to break the power of money. Otherwise, I hold it like this and it controls me when i hold it like this god's in control and not me so that's why the how much is enough question is really really important uh, uh to answer for people to answer um, because if i don't know that i'll never stop uh, and i will be deluding myself and i'll be spending a wasted life quite frankly so i think it's do you work to live or do you work to give? And there's a lot of people that have done very, very well financially in their businesses. Are they working to live or are they working to give? And I think working to give is a really good uh, vocation, okay? So that's the answer to how much enough. It's really important. If you don't answer that question, uh, you're never going to experience financial freedom. In this next section, Ron shares with us some inspirational stories from his time at Ronald Blue Trust. He starts off his story talking about his very first meeting with inspirational clients. I had a meeting with them, uh, and the first time I went to their home, and we didn't have GPS then, so I had a map uh, or directions. And so as, as uh, it, when I got to their home, it was in a trailer park. Uh, and they lived in a very, it was a very nice trailer park and they weren't unusual. This was in California. Um, 
and they lived in a in a trailer. And it was big enough for me to spend the night there too. It was, was it was nice, but it was a trailer. And he was the CEO of a major grocery chain. Uh, and uh, what their question was, can you help us give more? So when I did the financial plan uh, for them, I said, you can give away a million dollars if you want to. And I put the plan in front of them to give away a million dollars. Well, uh, over time, uh, I... Uh, moved out of client relationships and, and gave that uh, client to one of the client managers in Santa Ana. And he handled them for years. And about a year ago, I got a call from him. And he said, she had said to him, would you tell Ron that when he said we could give away a million dollars, we didn't believe him. But over the years, we've given away several million dollars. And uh, they, to me, epitomized what I would want to see in a client, uh, in the fact of who they were, their character, but the fact that they saw themselves as working to give. Uh, and they gave away millions and millions of dollars, apparently, uh, because they set that finish line. And, uh, and I was, the fact that they lived in a trailer was irrelevant. Uh, that's what they happened uh, to choose. You don't have to live in a trailer to give away a million dollars. Uh, but that was their choice for whatever reasons uh, that they had. So that story to me uh, just resonates as uh, that's what I want to see. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one more story as of a month ago. <laughs> okay. Um, I know, I, I was walking out of church one day, and somebody said to me, they said, you're a financial expert, aren't you? And I said, well, I, I guess. And they said, give me some financial advice. So I said, okay, spend less than you earn and keep doing it for a long time. <laughs> and you know, over the years, uh, and it, last week I gave five speeches, and what I realized is that getting out of debt, living within your income, and giving generously are really the critical factors to financial peace of mind and peace of heart and contentment. And so this idea of living within your income, uh, we don't get any reinforcement of that uh, in this culture. Uh, and I've got... Uh, several stories, but one of the most remarkable uh, was my wife was in a gas station and uh, there was a little girl in front of her uh, who paid the uh, attendant. He said, she said, I want $7 worth of gas on whatever pump. And it was so unusual that Judy followed this little girl out to uh, where she was and they, it was a van that they were putting $7 worth of gas in. The story was that this was an abused um, mother who had left in the middle of the night with her kids to escape the abuse. She had $7. That was all she had. Uh, and everything they owned was in the back of that uh, van. So uh, we, 
helped her, got her into a homeless shelter, and she did have a job. Uh, but my counsel to her was, you've got to have some savings. Be otherwise, every time an emergency comes up, uh, you're going to be trapped and you're going to stay in this state of always being behind the eight ball. And uh, so over the last two or three years, she would call me periodically and say, uh, I've got to get some new tires. I don't have any cash. And she couldn't qualify for credit. Uh, she said, I hate to go into my savings. I said, that's what it's for. <laughs> okay. Well, she called me just two, a couple of weeks ago, and she's getting ready to rent a home now. Uh, and she has a credit card. Uh, and she's worked to establish her credit. Um, and she said, I owe $800 on my credit card, which uh, I just want to know, should I pay that off before we make a move, or will it hurt my standing? And I said, well, what do you have in your savings account? And she said, $6,000. <laughs> That's been three years. I think it's been three years. By living within her income... She was able to save $6,000 over these years. So now when that, the books for her kids or whatever comes up that she needs, she's replaced her car. And uh, that, to me, kind of proves the point because now when that emergency happens, she's prepared for it. Um, it's a remarkable story. Thank you so much for listening to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. If you are looking for financial advice, please contact us. Please visit ronblue.com. That's ronblue.com. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company, a federal savings association and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated a Tennessee public trust company, separate affiliated entities. Trust and investment management accounts and services offered by Ronald Blue Trust are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligation of, nor guaranteed by any bank or bank affiliate, and are subject to invest risk, including possible loss of the principal amount invested.